the shed show the show that is in the shed welcome back today it's getting a little chilly outside fall is definitely coming but we have something here something someone here today that's cooler than fall he's not an object i mean well some people see me as an object Benji, give us an introduction. This is uh, my friend and my uh, former co-worker, because he was going to become my future boss, <laughs> Marshall. Are you saying that's why you quit? Because he becomes your future boss, my former co-worker, and then invites him onto the show? He was going to become my future boss, and I've seen him take three naps right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he did work out that morning. Yeah, and he like, had worked probably the whole night before and yeah. lived he, at... <laughs> he's the hardest worker in the room. Don't denigrate him for his naps. Let me do a better introduction. We have Why in the studio... Why did you give me the opportunity? Marshall <laughs> Davis. Because you didn't even know his last name. You said, welcome, Marshall. I know his name's Marshall Davis. <laughs> you but didn't I... <laughs> <draw> him right. <laughs> um, uh, Marshall's a writer, director, and producer who has worked on a handful of films. He is currently working on something that we'll get into a little bit later, but we've seen some of the test footage, I would say that's what it is but there's some really cool things in the works for marshall i was really critical of his test footage he was which is actually it, criticism is valuable i love it i thrive on it how so. long did it take you to get that perspective was it early on or like a little bit later in your film career or like when did you like get used to it so in film school, I say I had pretty thin skin before film school. And then in like my first couple of semesters, I kept watching like other students get like super butt hurt whenever the people, like teachers would like say, you could probably really work on this and stuff like that. And I was like, and I realized, wow, they're not progressing that fast because they're getting so offended by this stuff. So that was kind of the moment where I was just like, okay, well, from now on, I'm going to seek out insults. <laughs> on my stuff i oh, want wow. because the thing is is like if everyone's just like oh you're so good then you're just not gonna grow whereas like people are just like that sucked i'm like great what sucked about it this sucked about it is like great now i know what to do better next time right once i realized that like i was only gonna make better stuff by being torn down i was like okay tear me down oh my god <laughs> that's gosh. gonna be on his grave <laughs> on his gravestone <laughs> tear me down <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, if I, if I if I wanted to act like like like, like a macho meathead, I'd be like, it's like, well, you gotta tear up the muscles before they grow back bigger, you know, or something like that. Like, well, uh, let me tell you something. Get like real <laughs> into the camera. Here's the truth about filmmaking. You gotta tear down those filmmaking muscles before they can get nice and swole. Seven figure film hustle. There we go. <laughs> There you go. Was there a specific criticism that you got where you're like, I don't know if I'll agree with that, but I'll go for it. Like, I'll kind of do it. And then you saw a payout at the end. I mean, I don't have like a specific anecdote that I can pull from. But what I can say is that like, criticism is usually found with, I didn't like that. What if you did something like this? Mm. And I've never, ever found myself doing the, what if you did something like this answer and solving my problem. Mm. But it's more that like, if, if somebody says like, oh, this part was kind of slow and boring. What if you like, I don't know, just cut some, cut like a minute out of that thing. Maybe the answer wasn't cutting him in out of the thing. Maybe the answer was adding in some other angles and speeding mm. up, and that makes it feel more frenetic and fast. So it's like, it, it's never, usually the answer is never the complete antithesis of the criticism it's usually the answer but when somebody makes a criticism i know there's a problem there yeah whether it's the problem they pointed out or something else that i have to fix right no i like that because it's a little bit more strategic where it's like oh cut this out because it's slow and then you're like well let's just speed it up yeah you're a professional in your field and so when you when you get kind of advice either from other professionals or people that aren't in there that totally that blows my mind and you can apply that to a million different things but you're like they know that something's off they know either a beat's off or the speed or something so that's very interesting that you've kind of honed that in and it's less of like oh i have to do exactly what they say and more of like what's the real issue yeah 
I'm interested, like, from film school, I know that you've done a bunch of freelance work. And it, that's a big jump. I don't know necessarily the stories between the jump. Yeah. But freelance sounds like a free-for-all. The, the West. wild <laughs> west of freelance. It's it's true. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. So just to give you a little bit of background to my journey, I guess, before mm-hmm. I got to, like, becoming, like, a full-time freelancer and then yeah. ultimately abandoning that lifestyle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I you, when, you, never really quit freelance you know it's always with you it's a scar it's a scar it's a, a rite of passage yeah so i mean technically i'm still freelancing right even though i'm working full-time i'm just not doing it nearly, i'm not living off of it at this point mm. it's like uh it's now icing on the cake when i started film school i kind of decided from the very get-go that i wasn't gonna be a full-time student i was gonna be a full-time filmmaker and go to film school at the same time that said i still usually took full course loads every semester so i was just mostly just killing myself <laughs> but do you just uh, like to abuse yourself i guess i mentally do mentally and emotionally um I, yeah i think so that's that's probably it <laughs> i was also a business minor on top of it at first i eventually dropped a minor i was like that's just ridiculous i just need to get out of school <laughs> so yeah i was working full-time so i started off working at byu tv they i went in there to be like an assistant editor and then then they were like actually you really have an eye for this maybe you should be a colorist for us i was like okay cool interesting mm-hmm. well, um, what is a colorist by the way uh, sorry yeah so we take people's hair and we <laughs> you, you you're no. in cosmetology uh, school <laughs> it's funny it's really funny that i really run into that problem when i was trying to like do seo stuff to like find more clients on the internet colorist always just brings up hair people and i'm just like oh this sucks this is a bad title but yeah so they found that i had an eye for colorists and what colorists do is they essentially take footage the first step is to like basically take all the images within the scene and like balance them so they all feel like they were filmed at the same time. And then you go back and you do a thing called color grading where you kind of create a style and a look over the whole thing. If you think about Mad Max, Mad Max had like a really kind of orange, warm, intense look. That was color grading. So you're the guy that does like the filter when people go to Mexico? There we go. That's <laughs> in it. In Breaking Bad? That's like... it. I'm the one who puts the sepia filter on anything in Mexico. That was That's what my job was. But yeah, so they found that I had like a, an eye for that. So I started doing that there and then started Googling and getting on the forums of the colorist and I realized holy cow, there's a lot of money in color grading at this point. Uh And so I was like, why am I getting paid these low wages to do this at BYU TV when I could be just freelancing, right? That's when the freelance bug hit me. Was that entrepreneurship, did that come from minoring in business or? I think it just came for- Was it worth it? (laughs) I think it came for a love of money is what it came for. (laughs) It came from Mr. Krabs himself. Yeah, money, money, money. Um, so then I got a credit card. Actually, I got two credit cards. <laughs> Maxed them out for like 30k worth of like color equipment. Where are you going for your credit cards? <laughs> <laughs> well, before that, I had worked as a banker at Wells Fargo, so I actually had a pretty good credit reputation for high earning and stuff. And fraud to. from Wells Fargo. Oh, I, listen, <laughs> I, I I did not partake. But you were there at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I definitely saw stuff happening. It didn't really happen that much at our branch, but uh, I did see it happening at other branches and stuff like that so wells fargo we know for the- <laughs> <laughs> okay you maxed out your credit cards with your perfect maxed credit out, score maxed out my credit card with my my good wells fargo credit and uh bought all this equipment and set up a color studio in my it was my apartment at that time your version of the shed yeah my version of the shed 
don't look around like like you're the shed <laughs> you started takes in me a little back. apartment don't even this takes me back <laughs> and i just started doing color work so i, I colored a, a feature film called christmas eve i colored uh this like horror film out of la called like psychophonia mm. and then i just kept getting more and more more color work those were like the, like the bigger projects and then there's also like a bunch of like commercials and stuff like that so i, I mean, color, color a lot of things but like that, that's kind of how it all started out beyond that i also uh, started becoming more valuable to these people i was working with i ended up picking up some of the editing on some of these projects and then all of a sudden Mm-hmm. getting invited to like hey can you associate produce us a little bit and help us figure out how to do some of these things from, with your more like younger perspective so these were all things i'm doing while going to film school essentially oh wow um, while going to full-time film school yeah. and all that there so. were a few semesters where i took like maybe i think there may have been one semester where i only took like eight credits or something like that but for the most part it was always 12 credits and up for that fafsa for that fafsa <laughs> that sweet sweet pell grant <laughs> yeah so yeah that's, that's that's kind of how i got started into freelance does that address your concern yeah, my, my concern, I'm actually, I'm doing some research right now. I want to do some freelance stuff. So I'm yeah. just picking your brain. Yeah, for sure. So was a lot of that word of mouth how you got work? Yeah, it was. So I would say it was probably like 75% word of mouth, 25% um, just kind of self-advertising. So I would also get on like a couple, I went on a few like film think groups on Facebook at that time because Facebook was the place. I would look for anybody saying, hey, they need a colorist. And then I would drop my reel in there and stuff like that. And I landed a, a couple of gigs from there. Um, and which also then grew the word of mouth essentially, mm-hmm. right? And when, and when I say when I started in color, there was basically maybe like three options for colorists in Utah for freelance colorists. And one of them was like the top tier, like he was serving like the most expensive clients. One guy was kind of serving the most mid tier clients. And so then I was like, great, well, I will go for these low tier clients to start out. The commercials. Yeah. And so that, that's how I started out. And then honestly, color became so accessible that like all of a sudden, like people were undercutting my prices by like half or less. And I was just like, that's when I kind of got out of coloring. I was like, this isn't as lucrative as it was when I started. Was it just because software got better? Software got better and people's standards got lower. <laughs> that's not, okay. That's not really aggressive. No, I mean, <laughs> what I, what I, <laughs> people are just worse. No, it's just like, so they don't like, understand the art. So like I spent $30,000 for my setup. Like part of that is like one piece of that is like, just like a $10,000 like color grading monitor that is like perfectly calibrated and stuff like that. And then like 5,000, that's just a panel to color with. Nowadays people will hire colorists who all they use is like their iMac. It's not properly calibrated. They're fairly accurate, but like, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what some people are using for colorists nowadays. And so it's like, that's what I mean by like the standards got lower for what they're willing to accept as a colorist. I mean, and it's easy for that guy to undercut my prices because he's not paying down the $30,000 on his credit cards. Because like, their parents just buy them the iMac. Yeah. <laughs> and then they do a side hustle on the side and they make a website. Yeah. So that's kind of where it became like, well, I can't keep serving this lower tier. So I started up-leveling my prices for a little bit and then I just kind of got bored of the coloring, you know? It's like I learned it, done it, and I realized it wasn't like it wasn't really my future. And so, I mastered the craft, and you left like a kung fu master. I wouldn't say I mastered it, but I was I was pretty dang good at it. But I mean, ultimately, I got into filmmaking to be a writer and director, mm-hmm. and I realized there was never going to be a path from colorist to writer director. 
it's not clear cut. There's no, yeah. And so I was like, I'm glad that I have this knowledge because it definitely helped me grow on that path. Like visually, I can be a much more interesting writer director because I know kind of the limits of the images and the dynamic range and contrast and all those things I learned from color. And frankly, a lot of those things apply to writing and stuff too, in some ways, like contrast and things. And so it's, it all served me. I'm a better director for it. And I still occasionally will, I'll, uh, I'll break out the old color gloves and just uh, put the hat on and go spin my wheels for a little bit but like tell your family i'll be back you don't wait up <laughs> i'm gonna make the next episode of breaking bad <laughs> about a colorist who uh starts selling meth everything's tinted blue it's like what is going on but yeah so that, that's 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 kind of like more or less a little bit about my colorist journey what happened with the fall? Like you, you hit that high, high, and then then you're working with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said like the money, like it just wasn't as lucrative as it once was. And I was just about to ask like pros and cons with freelancing, and then kind of going more into now that you have that experience because it felt kind of like, or it sounded like it felt kind of just like a grind, and you're kind of putting in your time, getting yourself into the industry. How did that kind of propel you into what you're doing now? So once I kind of realized I was kind of done doing that kind of work, what kept happening is I. Would get calls from like clients that I had worked for in the past and say, Hey, we want you to do this, we really need it. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of busy right now. That was, that was code for like, Oh, that's really in reality. I just didn't want, I was done, kind of done with it. <laughs> and they'd be like, Oh, but we would just really need it. And like, Come on, just just tell us like how much would this project cost? And then I would just like basically double what I was paying before, be like, I charged me before, like, Oh, well, actually, it costs this much now for me to do it. And they'd be like, Okay, I was like, So like, they kind of, they kind of like hold on to you. Um, so the, money but, is a drug and I'm. <laughs> high off of it what? So, i'm an addict and so like i did that for a while and it was still it was going pretty fine but i just literally just kind of hit a point where i was just kind of i was just hitting my head against a wall I was like i just i need to stop doing this i like i'm a storyteller more in my heart and so i, I literally just like I, I wasn't being satisfied with what i was doing and so that's kind of when essentially i made the transition to um where i'm at currently because I had a good friend working there and I reached out to him and he's like, honestly, you should come here because this place, it's a great job, stable. And what he loves about it is it allows him the freedom to also, since it, it doesn't really kind of tap into your filmmaker brain, he's still doing creative work, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really kind of tap into like your creative part of your brain that he still has energy and like excitement to go and work on his other projects. And I was like, I was like that sounds really appealing to me. You know, at this point, I, I had only written one feature film in my entire career and it took me like freaking three years to write it, you know? And I was like, that, that's not, that's not a feasible way to become a writer director right if i'm only writing one feature every three years multiply divide that by like i don't know the 80 year life expectancy and then, then you know yeah, maybe by the end of all this i have like 10 features that i've written and probably none of them will be is that why quentin tarantino did it that way <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> we're doing nine take me three years yeah uh, well i mean actually two to three years is pretty normal for the actual producing of a feature film but like writing is not at all writing should take you a few months to write a feature you know so, so where's the hold up why, why, why um, that way well, well we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> There's so many people with these dreams, these ambitions, these goals, and they think, oh, like I should just I should just get a job in the field that I want to do. 
But I feel like what you're saying is a lot of the time, the magic kind of gets lost because you're working on other people's dreams, other people's ambitions, other people's goals. So I feel like it's so smart. If you can find a field that's kind of related to what you want to do, but not exactly, like it, like it's not going to tap your own creativity, that might be the way to go. Is that yeah. kind of your experience? That That's kind of been my experience once I transitioned into this, into this new job. Since being in this new job, I have developed what I think uh, for a television pilot, I have outlined four feature films. I've written one of them. I am halfway into writing a second one of them. And I, I just started writing a third of those. So I have two features being written right now. I've completed a new one. Um, I've uh, taken a lot more meetings with people. Like my productivity on pursuing the writer director is just kind of through the roof and my mental health is better than it's ever been like frankly because because you know you hit your head against the wall that's not good for your yeah. brain right <laughs> um and so it's just like my mental health is just so much better than it has been and like because of that my creativity is better too and so it's like all all the things make a lot more sense now that i now that i've made the transition sure there i mean I miss the money you know that yeah, hurts. that's the thing I got got from this story is that you went 30k into credit card debt and you got yourself out. Yeah, and that's what I love. <laughs> it was like that just reminds me of the of the other guys. Remember when he's like he used to be a pimp and he loved that life, but now he loves his life even better because now he's what a. What was cop. your colorist name? It wasn't Gator, was it? <laughs> How'd you know? It was Picasso. Let's make that look like Mexico right now. <laughs> Up the contrast. You don't understand. I make art. And you're like, a title loan commercial or something? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, calm down. You calm down. Do you want to make money or not? Uh, oh um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of, uh, I don't know. Where well, we, at? I, we were at your your film career. Yeah, you've film, gotten a lot more productive. productive. Yeah. So, would you say when you took those steps to focus more on your mental health and your dreams, that's when you got more productive? Yeah. 100%. With writer directing, 100%. Yeah. I think that's interesting because so many people will... Can you hear that airplane? That's a jet. <laughs> yeah. That's a jet. That's, that's loud. They're, they're coming for the shed show. <laughs> the whole thing just gets lifted off. The cookie wars have escalated. <laughs> this is a part five. <laughs> we're really You right thought now. we weren't talking about cookie wars. We're talking about it right now. I'm trying to be serious. Okay, let me let me circle back. Let me circle back about your hopes and dreams and your director career. <laughs> okay, circling back. I think a lot of people nowadays they will put other things before their dreams because that's more realistic. Really. Yeah, I've done that before where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to uh, be a warehouse worker or I worked in sales for three years. Yeah, but. It sounds like your mental health has gotten a lot better when you just start doing what you love, even though you probably make far less money. Yes. You're just poor now. Yes. But. It's, I mean, you laugh about it, but it's true. I'm yeah. poor now. And, uh, I'm in a low tax bracket. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing I feel like the, the investments that I'm making towards. You're like, I'm sitting. Good. I would say I'm probably about like three years away from actually be making a lot more money than I had been. Because of the investments I'm making right now. Well, that makes sense. Because an investment is you're going to sacrifice like pleasure now 
for yeah. a lot more pleasure later. Yeah, yeah. So what? <laughs> that's one way to hey, put what? it. What did you say? Uh, let me what? Let me make this a little bit less like I guess sensual, <laughs> and we'll just say I don't need to buy the new shoes now. I will invest this, and then I'll be able to own the shoe store later. Thank you, thank you, Marshall. Thank you for bringing us back around. Sorry, we're, we're, we were being too serious. I had to throw. The, no, no, there. you were serious. You got lost in that sauce. Um, yeah, no, that. I mean, that's one hundred percent what's happening, and yeah. There we go. No yeah. thought. Well, Marshall, uh, before we kick you out of the shed, can you kind of talk about the project you're working on right now? Yeah. So the biggest project by far in front of me right now is a feature film called El Misionero. And it's a story of three Mormon missionaries who take on the cartel down in Mexico. So we will have that. Yeah, I was about to say, wait, is there going to be a filter on that? <laughs> we will see. Uh, having lived in Mexico and my wife's from Mexico, it's, it's it doesn't actually look yellow when you get down there. It's surprising it's what? not yellow and orange it, mind you know, blown. blown so i i don't i probably won't have that filter on it to be honest I think, I think you're missing out. I think you're leaving <laughs> I money on the table I might confuse the audience a little bit. But yeah, so it's about three more missionaries take on the cartel down in Mexico, loosely based on true experiences. And it's, uh, it's a real fun script. I wrote it, just the first script feature I mentioned. I wrote one feature over a three-year period. It was that one. It didn't need to take three years. It's just what it took. It placed really well in the Academy Nickel Fellowship, which is a screenwriting competition that the Oscars organization mm-hmm. puts on every year it's gotten a lot of positive so you've won an oscar there. no no oh, i didn't okay. win it that's a the prerequisite thing. i didn't win the competition but whenever you submit they kind of tell you where you play they say this many scripts submitted and this many lost out before you lost out basically i know that mine was in the top 10 percent. and when you're out of tens and tens of thousands of screenplays it feels pretty good you know yeah. so did that and then at one point i actually was you know probably weeks away from putting together a deal to actually make this film when the pandemic hit mm. so like all the investors pulled all their cards back and it was kind of game over one of them was a company down in mexico that ultimately like folded during the pandemic and so it's all so you're just kind of starting <gasps> you're just kind of starting over so we're kind of taking a different strategy for making the film now which is we're kind of leaning into like the crowdfunding i feel like it's a very exciting time for crowdfunding and it's only going to become more and more the thing in the future we're doing kind of a more traditional kickstarter crowdfunding for yeah, the we'll, short we'll put the link in the bio yeah we'll put your- it's going to be down there yeah, we'll put you Check as the link in the producer. bio. Give me money. No. Um, so, but so essentially, we we are starting off by making a short film um, to kind of really kind of show the tone of the film, and then that will be the tool that we use to then fund the larger film. Do you know what? If you don't put money in there. First of all, you hate this man. You not only hate Marshall, but you hate film itself. And you hate <laughs> filters. And you hate filters put on Mexico. Well, thank you so much, Marshall, for stopping by the shed today. Thank you for kind of sharing your knowledge. I feel like a lot of people needed to hear that it's okay if you're not in the exact industry that you want to be in right now, as long as you're somewhere that you can continue to grow and kind of nurture those dreams as, you know, go on. Yeah, I think that's really helpful for Cole right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you really need to hear that. <laughs> Thank Cole, you again. Cole, you will be a filmmaker someday, <laughs> if that's what you want. I'll be a grip someday. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you all for listening in, and we'll talk to you next time.